Welcome to the MLB Extras Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Anthony Kastrovitz, joined by Jason Beck. And Beck, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, but let's get down to business because that's what the Tigers did on Tuesday. Uh, They reached an agreement with Matt Moore on a one-year, $2.5 million contract, pending a physical, of course. And Matt Moore is, of course, a former top prospect with the Rays. He's had some rough seasons of late. Uh, He won 13 games for the Rays and Giants in 2016, but he went 6-15 and with a 5.52 ERA for the Giants in 2017. And he was traded to Texas, where he went 3-8 and with a 6.79 ERA in 39 appearances, 12 of them starts. So, Beck, what do you think of this move for the Tigers? I think they're basically trying to repeat what they did with Mike Fires this past season. Uh, you know, try to get a guy on the rebound, uh, get him back to being a productive pitcher, a valuable pitcher, and then ideally flip him around the trade deadline, trade him for for prospects. Uh, this one's going to be a little bit more of a long shot, I think, or I guess a little bit more of a uh, project for them because more struggled more you know, no pun intended, in 2018 compared to what Mike Fires did before he signed with the Tigers. Um, you know, it, it's you have to think back a ways to remember that this guy was once one of the bright young pitchers in baseball. Um, he hasn't been the same since Tommy John's surgery about uh, five or so years ago, but there's still some stuff there. The Tigers like the strikeout rate, which is – you know, remain pretty consistent around the seven to eight per nine inning range. And they like some of this stuff, but the hard contact has been the problems with them. Um, you know, he, he's got to do better uh, t- to limit how many times opposing hitters barrel him up and, and try to get a little bit more deception or, or I maybe even develop some new pitches there. Um, it's going to be a work in progress, but the Tigers see some upside and they think there's something to work with. At the very least, it's a low-risk deal. Um, you know, it, by the standards of baseball these days, $2.5 million is not a whole lot of money, and you're not really risking much in terms of a roster spot since you were looking for veteran guys to fill innings anyways. So what does this mean for the Tigers now as it relates to the pitching market, Beck? Are they done now with more, or is there more moves to be made there? Well, the Tigers are going to keep looking. Uh, We thought they were done last offseason after getting fires. And then Francisco Liriano lingered on the market into spring training. And the Tigers pounced and were able to get a deal done. They they were looking at other guys before Liriano. I suspect we're we're going to see something similar now. They might be done in the short term. But I, I think as the market plays out, and we see who potentially gets left behind. The Tigers are in a position where they can look for some bargains and look for some more rebound candidates to uh, to try to get something done. Um, you know, they're going to be looking for short-term deals, you know, ideally one-year contracts because they do still have that crop of top pitching prospects on the way. Uh, if not by the end of 2019 for them to start arriving, then ideally for the start of 2020. So they're going to want to keep some spots open there. So I'd be surprised if if they did any multi-year deals. So back Friday is the non-tender deadline in MLB. And the Tigers have a handful of arbitration candidates, uh, I believe nine total. 
But the one prominent name on that list right now, as it pertains to the non-tender deadline, is James McCann. He's projected by MLB trade rumors to make $3.5 million in 2019. In 2018, he hit 220 with a 581 OPS. So the question has been posed before. I'll pose it again. Where do things stand with James McCann and uh, and the non-tender deadline? It's eerily quiet. Um, you, know, you don't seem to be hearing much every time I check in, which I don't know. You know, you can kind of read that one of two ways. Either they're figuring on going through the process or they've already made decisions. So it's it's really an interesting situation for them, you know, especially for a rebuilding team that has the catcher of the future coming up the system. You know, Jake Rogers was in the Arizona Fall League. He's expected to open next season at AAA Toledo. Could be you know, behind the plate in Detroit by the end of next season. But you need that bridge year, to, you know, to, to to kind of cover that. And so the Tigers have to figure out, are they better off investing the money to keep McCann around for one more year, hoping for an offensive turnaround and maybe, maybe being able to flip him for a couple prospects, you know, a prospect or two, at uh, next summer's deadline or next off season, or would they rather, you know, cut ties now, uh, try to pocket the uh, payroll space and go with Grayson Griner and some sort of uh, free agents uh, or, you know, some sort of trade acquisition in a uh, platoon situation. I, I don't know if they would go with Grayson Griner as an everyday guy next year. But, uh, you know, they like what they saw from Griner, and they think he's got a major league future. I, it's just it, I'm not sure whether they see him yet as an everyday type guy or whether they see him as more of a backup or, or what. I think they're still trying to figure that out themselves, um, you know, particularly with how his bat plays. Um, so the, the one factor I think that has changed in the – month or two that we seem to have been discussing this is that the catching market seems to be moving pretty fast um, as far as free agents go. I think what I, I saw, like there's been three uh, up until the, uh, the Braves dealings on Monday, the three prominent deals signed have involved catchers with uh, Kurt Suzuki and Jeff Mathis and the, um, Oh, well, well, Brian McCann going to Atlanta. So I guess that's one of the deals. So it's, it's not as deep of a market as it might've been before. So if the Tigers decide to cut, to cut ties, they really have to have a plan in mind in terms of how to fill that catcher spot for 2019, certainly for, for the bulk of the year, because I, I don't think there's any guarantee they're going to have Rodgers ready by, say, midseason because there's still some progress they need to see w- with his hitting. Yeah, you make a great point about the catching market, Beck, because uh, a lot of teams or a couple teams pivoted very quickly from the JT Real Muto trade talks to uh, doing what they could to, to shore up their catching spot in free agency. So that hasn't been that has been an interesting subplot. Uh, I, I guess the one argument for McCann if it is between three and $4 million, that's suboptimal uh, investment for a guy, you know, if you're getting anything resembling last year's offense, but the familiarity with the pitching staff, you know, that, that's a factor that probably plays into this a little bit as well. Yeah. It, it's huge. Especially when you consider, you, look, when 
when Al Avila was talking season's end about what they're going to do at shortstop for next season, one of the things he made a point to mention, unprompted, was that he would prefer having a veteran shortstop to both stabilize the infield and help out the pitching staff. If you're going to look for some experience at shortstop to help, to help out your pitching staff, I would think it would be even more important to have some sort of experience behind the plate for these guys. And McCann, for all his offensive struggles, has been very good at getting to know this pitching staff and being able to work with pitchers, both young and old, guys who've come in here and guys who've come up through the system. So I think for stability's sake, and especially if you want to continue to develop the development of some of these pitchers, notably you know Daniel Norris and uh, Spencer Turnbull, there would definitely be an advantage, I would say, to to keeping McCann around for at least another year. And Beck, one advantage to being a team in transition, in a rebuild, is sometimes you can take some gambles in the Rule 5 draft, uh, which happens on the last day of the winter meetings in in Vegas in a couple weeks. Uh, Where do things stand with the Tigers as far as uh, roster room to perhaps do something in the Rule 5? Well, right now they have one spot open on their their 40-man roster. I think they they have uh, enough flexibility with some other guys who are still on there. They could open another spot if they wanted. I don't know if they'll go with two guys. I, I think they could certainly go with one. Um, you know, there's some intriguing pitchers out there. I, I think that they could uh, take a look at. Uh, the, the one guy who intrigues me, now granted, we just talked about the importance of veteran experience at, at short, is uh, Richie Martin, the former A's first-round pick who the A's left exposed. So it, uh, it it was kind of a surprising move. You know, he's coming off a uh, 300 season, 807 OPS at uh, AA Midland for those, for in the A's system. Um, not a ton of power, but he's the type of guy to where if you're looking for a stopgap and you feel like you can, <clears throat> you know, live with the, with the inexperience there, I, I think it'd be an interesting shot because even if you b- believe that Willie Castro or, you know, or Alcantara, that one of those guys is your shortstop of the future, I think Richie Martin could easily be turned into a utility guy a la Nico Goodrum, and you can get some value out of that. So it, it's going to be interesting to, to see if, uh, if the Tigers decide to do that. Richie Martin actually does have some Detroit ties. You know, he was born in, in Detroit, according to his baseball reference page, even though he ended up going to school down in Florida. So, uh, and he ended up uh, going in the first round a couple picks before the Tigers' first pick in uh, in 2015, which went to Bo Burrows, who's now climbing his way up the Tigers' system and should uh, ideally open next year at AAA Toledo. So, Beck, getting back to free agency, we know a big spot that the Tigers have to shore up is the shortstop spot. Is there anything going on there? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's there's not much moving. You know, I, our colleague uh, John Morosi tweeted, I think on Monday, that they're still casting a pretty wide net and that they haven't really progressed on any particular uh, candidate, Freddie Galvis is obviously out there. I think he has some appeal. I think the question with a guy like that is how many other teams in better situations would be checking in on him? Maybe teams that could offer a little bit more long-term stability, maybe a multi-year deal there. 
Uh, Jordy Mercer is certainly an option. Adani Echeverria. I, I think Echeverria is starting to look like more of an option for them. Now that it appears the Yankees will try to go a different route to fill their shortstop void for the first half of next season while Didi Gregorius is, is recuperating. Um, you know, Morosi did raise the idea of Alcides Escobar. He he does definitely has some familiarity with the Tigers, having been a division rival with the Royals for so many years. Um, I think there's some concern on the Tigers' part about his defense and whether he's at that age where it would be tough for him to be an everyday shortstop, whether he can make the plays the Tigers want their shortstop to make. So it's, I'd kind of be surprised on that end, but you can't really eliminate it. But, uh, you know, as Morosi said, they haven't even started narrowing that list. So, you know, I have a feeling that we're going to still be talking about the shortstop market into the holidays and beyond. And maybe as we close in on spring training, depending on how far, how far the Tigers decide to wait and how slow the market moves. Well, I look forward to that back. Why don't I just record myself asking you about the shortstop situation, and then we can just rerun it every week, and you give me the latest answer. How about that? Yeah, yeah, we can just plug that in. You know, maybe add some names to spice it up. I, I don't know. You know, it's we'll see what what happens. I, at some point, who knows? Maybe we'll even get some speculation that uh, Jose Iglesias could come back. Although I haven't uh, gotten any indication of that, and I think that would be a long wait to see something like that happen. Well, in, uh, in in better news and interesting news, uh, Matthew Boyd um, and his wife, Ashley, you know, a lot of people went home for Thanksgiving. A lot of people stayed home for Thanksgiving. They were in Uganda for Thanksgiving. What was going on there? Well, you know, Matthew Boyd and his wife, Ashley, started up a, uh, a, a foundation on their part last summer to uh, basically adopt a home that a uh, husband and wife in Uganda had created to shelter, I, I believe, about three dozen uh, women and girls uh, who had been uh, victims of uh, of human trafficking, and it, it was a really interesting move when it happened. But you know, talking with Boyd over the course of the summer and then into the fall, you know, he he and his wife felt like it was their calling. You know, his wife had worked in in uh, Africa as, as as part of her uh, social work career, uh, you know, before her and Matthew had a child. So, you know, she has experience there and they decided to start a foundation, basically fund this home and uh, try to give, uh, give these women and girls, not only, you know, a safe haven, but also, you know, provide them with education, with resources to, to try to lift themselves out of desperate situations and try to leave mean, try to lead, uh, you know, meaningful, productive lives and hopefully, you know, carry it forward into the communities, uh, you know, where they're from and, and try to continue this fight. And, uh, they've, uh, they've created a website, uh, kingdomhome.org where people can go in and either make a one-time donation or they can sponsor a child or, you know, try to help in uh, any sorts of ways. But, uh, you know, they went to Uganda over Thanksgiving. It was actually uh, Matthew Boyd's first time over there. Uh, Ashley had been there before. 
and they were able to check out the facility and also uh, potentially scout uh, places to uh, create other homes or build a full-time home uh, going forward. Because right now I believe they're renting the house that uh, that these people are in right now. But uh, it, it's, it's really been a fascinating story and it's it's been great on the board's part to do this. And it's really raised a lot of awareness of a situation that's really been kind of a, a quiet crisis, not only in Africa, but worldwide, you know, including around, you know, in the United States. Yeah. So I remember uh, the former Giants reliever, Jeremy Affelt and, and other teams, of course, but I always associate him with the Giants. Uh, you know, that was a cause near and dear to his heart. And uh, yeah, to, to have a, to, to feel a calling like that, to have a passion like that and, and to pursue it in that fashion, that's, that's really awesome. So good on the Boyds uh, for all the great work they're doing over there. And, and good on Jason Beck for keeping us updated on all things Tigers throughout the hot stove season. Thanks for doing this, Beck. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you next week.